Good evening. Good evening. Oh, it's so good to be with you tonight. I hope you're happy to be here. It's great to see you guys. Uh, yeah, today we'll be continuing our studies in that wonderful book of Hebrews. And we'll be in chapter four today. And we're going to be continuing on the theme of better, right? That as you've seen so far, the theme of this book is that we have better things. We have the one that's better. We have Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's continuing being put up in this book. And all comers come and we find that Jesus is better. Last week in chapter three, we saw Jesus, right? Being far better than Moses, right? Far better than Moses. He's over a better house, right? He's Jesus Christ. And today in chapter four, we're going to see... Um, as we live in Jesus, we have better promises, far better promises. Today, we're going to see that we have a promise of spiritual rest, perfect divine rest. We'll see that in chapter four, and it's a gem. We're going to see that that's far superior than physical rest of the promised land that the Jews were promised. So I entitled chapter four, <laughs> Better Promises, the faith rest life of the Christian. That's what we're going to cover today. So we're going to make it real simple. We're going to crack this chapter in half. Okay. For the first 10 verses, I'm going to build a premise that the faith rest life is built on. It'll build a little foundation. Okay. We're going to talk about what a promise is and how God's promises are different than people's promises. Right. So, and then we're also going to talk about the promise of rest. We're going to talk about this is this type of rest isn't uh, physical rest. This is divine, perfect seventh day Sabbath rest for your mind and your spirit. And we all need that. And then finally, we're going to talk about the activating factor of that promise. And that's faith. It's what activates the faith rest life. Okay. And then the second half of the last three verses, 11 through 13, we're just going to talk about, we're going to get real practical. So if the first part is the premise, the second part of this chapter is just going to be the real practical part. We're going to find out practically how do we live the lifestyle of faith, rest, life. And we're going to see we're going to have to make a choice. And we talk about that we're going to need to get into the Word of God. And then finally, we're going to look to the person of God. So those are two, two uh, divisions. The premise. Let's start out. I'll read you a few verses. We'll talk about the basis upon which the faith rests life, the better promises we get living in Jesus affords us. Let's check it out. Verse one, chapter four. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel or the good news was preached to us as well as it was to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter the rest. And he has said, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse four, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. 
Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will not hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, they're in the promised land, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from all his works as God did from his. Amen? So, hey, there I want to really pick out a few things. I want to, I want to build a foundation here um, that the faith rest life is built upon, and it starts with a promise. Okay? A promise. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. <laughs> Look at verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. It, it means, those two verses, it, it means there's, there's a promise left over from the promise to the Christian that's left over from the promise he gave his people, the Jews. Right? He promised them a promised land, a land flowing of milk and honey, physical rest from all their battles, right? And they're in slavery, and they're, 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 their life of wilderness wandering. But there's something left over. If you didn't catch it, they didn't mix it with faith. So they didn't get their promise. So there's left over something for you and I, something better. And if you caught it, okay, it's a promise that he gives us to enter into his rest. Now listen, a, a, a promise is a statement or an announcement that someone gives to you promising or something to do for you, right? He's saying, this is what I'm going to do or say, this is what I'm going to deliver to you. And we all know about promises, right? You know, promises are only as good as the person who makes them. You know, promise is always based on the character of those announcing it. Amen? And as humans, we know this, right? Oh, we want to keep our promises, and I pray that we are people who really try to but if you're like me, you've realized over the time, I can miss the boat on my promises. People can let me down, because after all, we're human, right? I want to encourage you today that this promise is being made by God Almighty, the faithful one, right? God Almighty, the faithful one who has the goods to back up his promise. My mentor in business used to say this, a contract is only good as the person who signed it. I'm like, no, it's on the paper. He wrote it. No, it's, it's always, no, it's only as good as the person who writes it. Be careful, right? God's not like that. I want to encourage you. This is the faithful one. Hebrews 10, 23, right? It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the faithful one. Right? This, is, this is a living and faithful God, right? Hold fast to your confessions, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hold fast to your confession. Don't, don't, confession. don't waver. God is always faithful and will deliver. Amen? That's our God. This promise 
is backed by God Almighty. And I remember one time years ago, sitting in a football stadium, probably full of 50,000 people, and we're singing, and it was awesome. It was at an event called the, remember the Promise Keepers? It was was awesome. And I'm sinking as I'm hearing this. I was just getting caught up, and there's 50,000 people worshiping the Lord right now together. It was incredible. But you know the impression I had about halfway through that? Is God was touching my heart while I was worshiping Him? I'm not the promise keeper. He's the promise keeper. We should be the promise taker, right? We should be those that are eager, as we'll see, to use our faith to acquire God's promises, right? So I want to encourage you. It's a promise that's made by God Almighty. He's the promise keeper, and his promise was rest. Did you catch it? In verse 1, obviously. Therefore, there's, there, since there is a promise remains of entering his, his rest. Okay, listen. His rest. His rest. It's a special type of rest, as we'll see. Let us fear, let, let us fear lest any of us seem to have come short of it. Not fear is be afraid, but fear is have a healthy respect that we don't enter into it. His rest, verse 1. Check out verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. Listen to this. God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. Check out verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Verse 10. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from all his works as God did his. So listen, this is a special type of rest, isn't it? It was his rest. It was compared to the way God rested on the seventh day. Remember? He worked, 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 worked. Then he said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to rest. Perfect Sabbath, seventh day rest. It's a rest of your mind and in your spirit. This is more than physical rest. It may entail that, but it has to do with shutting down the noise in your spirit and in your mind. It's pushing pause, okay, ignoring, dismiss, whatever word you want to do, uh, to what I call the racing mind. Anybody got a racing mind? <laughs> right, so this is what happens to me, right? You lay down, you go to bed, and, and all of a sudden you're like, eh, it's bedtime. My body's resting, but then the hamster gets on the wheel, right? And everybody has their own hamster, right? Whether it's finances, whether it's your boss, or whether it's your employees, whether it's your kids, whether it's your relationships, whatever it is, our minds race. Right? We lay down and we, I didn't get much sleep last night. I was in bed for eight hours. I've been having a lot of those lately. How about you? It's tough times, right? I'm an empty nester for the first time. That is weird. I'm always wondering, what is my kid doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? God, no, please don't do that. Right? You always think the worst. Right? One night I woke up and I'm like, I didn't sleep at all. I said, I didn't either. My wife's like, I didn't either. We're just looking at the ceiling. 
So that's the racing mind. We need rest in that part of our mind. And this kind of rest pushes pause, ignores, dismisses that kind of racing mind of finances, kids, politics, whatever it is. This sets the circus down in your mind so you can have real rest and peace. Amen? That's what he's promising. But if you want this type of rest, who doesn't want it? Who doesn't want this? Come on. Do we all want it? We need it. We need this. If you want it, you need to use faith. This is the game changer that separates, as we'll see us, Christians, from them, the nation of Israel, who didn't believe. If you want to enter into rest, it's activated by faith. Promise of rest is activated by faith, hence the word faith, rest, life. Let's check it out. Faith in verse 2 and 3. For indeed the good news or the gospel was preached to us, Christians, as well as to them, the nation of Israel. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Who heard it? For we who have believed do enter that rest. Amen? Faith is a game changer. And if you want to realize <laughs> God's promises in your life, not only this one for spiritual rest, but all the rest of the promises he gave you, you got to mix them with faith. Remember faith? We'll get there in chapter 11. But verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11 says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. Think about that for a second. Substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? Well, I hope it's some of the promises that God's given you. I'm hoping for this rest. It's what gives that substance a handle to hold on to. It's the evidence of that that you can't see. It's all the evidence you'll ever need. It makes it real. Faith is a game changer. Listen, where does this faith come from? Is this something that we just pull up our boots hard enough and we just faith it through? Just work so hard that we can get our faith? Faith's a gift. You know, for a Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith is given us by God himself. And as a Christian, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Remember Galatians chapter 5, verse 22? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's, it's the word faith. It belongs to God's Spirit who indwells us. And when you get harmonized with God's Spirit, you start fellowshipping with Him. He abides in you. You start putting yourself in a, in a position where you can walk and have fellowship with God's Spirit. Guess what? His fruits are available for you to grab and experience. You can live the supernatural life by that. You can grab the faith that he gives you if you're in harmony with him, and you can direct it or put it in a bowl and mix it up with God's promises in voila. You have a miracle. You have supernatural, seventh-day, God's quality, divine rest like that. If you take it, that's how it works. It's up to us. <laughs> you ever see Princess Bride? Remember Miracle Max? Remember he had to mix up a miracle? Oh, Wesley was partly dead, and he wanted to 
Remember? Let me go in the back and mix up a miracle. Remember? Yeah, that's your faith. You want to turn the natural into supernatural? You want to stop your racing mind? This is just one promise God's given us. It's a gem. Get your faith. We'll mix yourself up a miracle. Some of us need a miracle in our brain right now, the way we're thinking, our racing mind. We're way over here. You want to mix up your own miracles? Grab the faith God gave you. Mix it up with his promises. That's how you, get your, that's how, that's how you achieve your rest. Amen? It unlocks everything. Now listen. Um, if we don't, <laughs> it's the difference between success and failure in the Christian life. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. He doesn't need your good intentions. He doesn't need any of that stuff. He's God Almighty. What he's asked of you is to walk by faith, not by sight. And it's sobering. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's impossible to please him without faith. So not only is it an access for us to, to gain his promises, it's also the way we're supposed to be living our lives as a lifestyle. And that's what I want to get into the, in the, the latter part of this chapter. Is, okay, the faith, rest, life. We've talked about faith, rest, and promises. And, and, and how do we do that? Well, it's through our faith. But how do we make that the lifestyle that the Christian lives? Because it really should be our lifestyle. That's what I want to talk about in the last, these last few verses. And it's really the, the main part of this, this, uh, this chapter is I want to get real practical. Verses 11, 12, and 13. How do we live a lifestyle of faith and rest? I'm going to check it out here. We have to live out our, <laughs> our stuff here. Verse 11 is... is going to tell us that we need to choose today. We need to make a choice of what to do with our faith. Verse 12, is going to, we're going to talk about how important God's word is on this. How are we to know God's promises if we don't read his inspired word? And we're also going to look into the person of God. We need to look intently on God. We'll see that in verse 13. He knows all things and he knows what we need. So let's start in verse 11. We'll start with the practical. Check out verse 11. And it speaks of us having to make a choice. Let us, <laughs> imperative there, us, <laughs> therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the example or the pattern of disobedience that the nation of Israel Verse 11, choose. <laughs> Rest is our choice. Did you know that? In a way, it's our choice. It says literally there, be diligent, strive. To literally be more literal, be eager to enter into it. Make it a priority or a purpose in your life to enter into this rest is what it's saying. It's our choice. We talked a little bit last week about today. Remember today? How today you always have a choice. Remember this day, right? You have a choice. You have a choice to react on your yesterdays. 
right? You have a choice. How, how am I going to deal with that? It's a choice. And then you also have a choice to how you're going to live your, day, your, your days tomorrow, right? Today, you always have a choice. I mean, if you start working in tomorrow's and in yesterday's, I don't know what to, I can't help you there. But today, we always have a choice. And I want to encourage you today to be diligent to enter into that rest. You know, there's a friend of mine, uh, Chad Hansen, who has a great voicemail. <laughs> Do you ever call Chad? Anybody ever call Chad? Remember it says? Hi, this is Chad. I hope you're choosing to have a good day. That's someone who understands the importance of today. Amen. I hope you're choosing to have a good day. What if the day is just horrible? It's your choice. <laughs> That's the idea here today. We want you to make a choice. No matter what, we want to be diligent and eager in, to enter into that choice. We want to have some urgency, I guess would be another way to say it. Have some pace in your life. You want to live God's promises you have today. I don't know about tomorrow. You can't relive yesterday. But today, will you make a choice to be diligent, to be eager? I constantly talk to young people that, about this urgency, pace. When I coached wrestling, that, that was a big thing for me. And you may not be any good, but let's push the pace. Right? You can control that. Let's have some urgency about scoring some points. Don't wait. Now, push the pace. You might get them tired. I don't know. You might get lucky. Who knows? Right? There's a guy who figured this out in the football world, right? Chip Kelly. <laughs> he just ran the same plays. He had like six plays, but he did them really fast. And he did them right now. Pretty effective. He just kept running plays every 20 seconds. And it worked, didn't it? Very urgent. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the idea of verse 11. I hope you're choosing to have a good day. Let's run a play now. That's the idea. That is very important if you want to have a lifestyle of rest and faith. It's make your choice. Pick a target. And God's going to help you get there, but it's up to you and I to make our choice this day. Amen? That's verse 11. If not, we're going to fall in the same pattern as Israel. That's what it says, right? It says, lest any of you fall according to the same pattern of Israel. What was their pattern? We, we covered it last week, right? They didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, right? They hardened their hearts. That made it harder for them to believe, and they didn't enter the rest. Didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, right? They hardened their hearts. They tested God, and it made it harder to believe. They didn't enter into the rest. That, that's the pattern. It's the pattern of those people. And we ought not to be that way. We should make our choice and go forward. We should use our faith in the Word of God. Check out verse 12. It's a wonderful verse. For the Word of God is living, active or powerful, energetic, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of heart. Is that pretty amazing? God's word. Listen, how are we to know God's promises? How do we know who God is? Unless we read and find him between the words and the pages of this book. This is a, a living, living word. Did you hear that? 
Now listen, we have a living God, right? Right? We have a living God. Doesn't it stand to reason that we would have a living word? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 said, all scripture is inspired by, the, by God. So it means, literally, he breathed illumination into this book. And although it was maybe penned by men, it was written by God's spirit. It's the holy word of God, inspired by him. We believe that, don't we? This is a special book. It's living. It has its own, I guess, uh, life force in a way. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 6? He says, the words, verse 6, about 60, it's a long chapter, 60 or 63, it says, uh, the words I'm telling you are, are, are spirit <laughs> and their life. Their life. With a little help from the Holy Spirit, this word comes to life and illuminates our regenerated spirit. Amen? That's the word of God. We're going through the book of Peter's. First Peter. I love this verse. Says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not out of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. This word lives. It has a life-giving force, is what he's getting at here. With a little help from the Holy Spirit, it imparts spiritual life. Amen? That's the word of God. And I encourage all of us to get into it. It's also active. See what else it says? Active or energetic. I don't know what translation you have. Powerful. It has its own energy source in itself. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16? He said, when he's talking about the gospel, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Remember? Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. That's the word of God. The gospel word it's the power of God unto salvation. So it is the power to save these words that are backed by Jesus Christ and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? It also gives you power to live this word. Amen? I'll read you a nice little verse in 1 Thessalonians, one of my favorite books. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul thanking his believers without ceasing for receiving the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it not as a word from men, but you received it as truth, the word from God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Listen, man, there's power in these words. These are inspired words. They're special words because the Holy Spirit put them into action and God breathed a supernatural uh, flavor to them when the Holy Spirit works in you as you read them. We have to let God's Spirit illuminate the truths in here, of course. That's how it's activated. But these are word. Every little thing was put in there by God's Spirit. Energizes our lifestyle. 
check it out. It's also the divider and discerner of men. It can penetrate the whole person. Did you know that? Listen to what it says here. It's uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing or dividing even the division of soul and spirit, and joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, come on. Have you ever read this book and, and said to yourself, who's reading who? Have you ever done that? I have done that. I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa, hang on a second. How'd you know that? It's the word of God. It's sharp. It can divide down through the soul and the spirit. Now, think about this. this is really, truly amazing. If you actually study the essence of humanity, it, it can divide your soul and the spirit. It can separate those things where you can see the difference between them. Your soul. Man, that's the part of you, really, that uh, it's the control center of your senses. It interprets your five senses to your brain, right? It's the seat of your emotions. <laughs> your soul is amazing. It animates your physical life. That's your soul, right? It's a great place. We need emotions. You can imagine life without emotions, right? They're good, but they need to be sometimes they shouldn't lead your life, right? It, it's, it's sometimes it, it, it flows over into what it shouldn't be in your mind to know what your soul is. The soulish man in the Bible is not <laughs> spoken of in, as a spiritual man. It's that you're being led by the things you can feel and touch. Your soul, right? Your soul is, if it feels good, do it. That's what your soul would tell you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it warns us, right? Beware of fleshly lusts, right? In chapter 2, verse 11. Because what do they war against? They war against your soul, right? Fleshly lusts, things like drugs, sex out of the confines of marriage. Those things feel good. They war against your soul. They war against that part of your immaterial body, right? Body, soul, spirit. They war against that part. It, it's, it's tricking it, what, what your soul should really be used for, right? That's different than your spirit. In my opinion, your spirit is, is, uh, is, is, is not your soul. It's the part of your person that contains the rational part of your brain, of your mind. It's the part where your self-conscious is, where you're self-aware, where you can ask questions like, where did I come from and where am I going when I die? Oh, that's reserved for the human. Did you know that? It's what makes us special in all of the animal kingdom. It's what makes us the cherry on top of God's creation. Did you know that? Remember there in Genesis chapter 2 when he breathed the spirit of life into man? He gave us the capacity to make those decisions, to be self-aware, right? To have a self-awareness, a self-consciousness. That's your, that, that's your spirit. It's where we're saved, right? Nicodemus? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That was born of the spirit is spirit. So the Bible can divide those two parts of you. That's awesome. That's helpful. 
Because sometimes we can get out of whack with our emotions, what feels good. If I hear one more time, I fell out of love with so-and-so, I'm going to pull my hair out. You're not, I'm not feeling it anymore. Well, you're not? Okay. Here's a newsflash. Your, your, your spirit, your rational mind, truth, rationale should override some of those things, right? Your spirit should lead the way. And of course, there's going to be emotion and soulish afterglow. Of course there is. But it should be led by the rational mind where you had the capacity to be regenerated by God. Amen? That's all it's saying. It's sharp. You can read it and go, whoa, I got to check that. It also is the judge or the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Think about this. Your thoughts. It can judge your thoughts. Say it isn't so. Yeah. Thoughts means the Greek word here. It, it's awesome. It means it's not just random thoughts. We're weird people. We can stuff pop in our head all the time. But it means the thoughts. It means plans. It can judge the plans of your life. Like in James chapter four. Remember when that guy made plans? It says, come now, those that say stuff like this. I'm going to go to this city and that city and make a profit and turn a profit and do that. Remember that? When James talked about that, it's the plans of your life. I'm going to move to that city and I'm going to do this. I'm going to start my business. I'm going to have this many kids. And it's the plans. There's nothing wrong with them. Those are your thoughts. It's the judger of those things. Who? Do you have good plans? I don't know. The Bible can judge those. Also can, ju can, can judge your intents. That's just the way that you live your life. What, what are you intending to do? Is it good? A lot of people tell themselves enough untruths. <laughs> their intentions, their way of their life, their way, you have a good way about you. Do you know people that have a bad way about themselves? You're just like, man. The Bible can discern those or judge those. So incredible. The Word of God is incredible. Did you ever hear that saying where I think there's a saying in every language, every culture that man plans and God laughs? That's the idea here. So you make all the plans you want. He's going to judge them and hopefully convict you. And some of these things here, when you read the Bible and God's spirit illuminates you to these supernatural truths and promises, including the one of spiritual rest. Makes all the difference in the world. You can see where you've gone wrong. I would encourage you to get into your Bible. You want a lifestyle that's drenched in faith and seventh day divine rest? You might want to start reading this book. And I'm not talking about just listening to a gifted speaker like we have here. Not, not this one, Dr. <laughs> Pastor Matt. <laughs> This is great. Okay, don't get me wrong. You need to be here. You need to listen to those things. But go home like the Bereans. Show yourself approved. Take, take what he, 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 he taught you. It's a great outline. Great, and See what God's Spirit does, impresses on your heart as you do that. You might just see something magical happen, something spiritual, something that can change your life. That's what I'd like to encourage you today. And finally, our final point here. It's just a, a small point in verse 13 with a big person behind it is 
We also need to, if we want to live this lifestyle, look into the person of Jesus Christ and some of his attributes. Listen, look, look, at, look at verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes, who sees everything. He must give an account. No creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked. The word naked is like, oh, some commentators see like in the garden. This is the word. If you, it's mostly this word. When they used to do sacrifices and they take the, the lamb's neck and pull it open right before they kill the animal, how vulnerable it was. That's what a naked word means. It's like in that spot right there. <laughs> All things are open, exposed, vulnerable. We are right before him. He sees it all. You act as tough as you want. <laughs> you can think you can have it figured out all you want, but your neck is out there and he sees it all. It's God. He sees it all. Now, to me, when I read that verse, I think how important it is if you want to grab any of God's promises, especially this rest, is you have to understand that God knows everything. That's what this verse is, is shouting to me. He knows everything, right? He's an omniscient God. Isaiah chapter 46 says <laughs> he knows the beginning from the end, right? Ancient time to those that haven't even happened yet. He knows everything. Now, it, it, the way that he knows everything is incredible, and it should get you to go, whoa, is that Okay, he knows everything. But the way that he knows everything, one simple act or sweep of the mind, he knows the beginning from the end. Come on, there's no sequence in what he knows. There's no sequential action. He just knows it, both instantaneously and simultaneously. Come on, that's crazy to have that kind of knowledge. And guess what? He loves you enough to know you that way. Amen? He knows what you need. He's keenly aware of your circumstances. Your life is not lost on him, would be another way to put it. He knows exactly when and how and where you need this rest and all the rest of the promises he gives you. That's so helpful for me when I want to live a lifestyle of faith rest, right? Someone who's being a promise taker from the promise keeper is to realize he knows everything. And more personally, he knows me and knows exactly what I'm going through. He knows my racing mind, me. Different than your hamster on your wheel, right? It's very helpful. So listen, faith, rest, life. We have better promises, right? Living in Jesus. Right? The household of Jesus, chapter 3 last week, affords us better promises. This is just one of them. That we have a real spiritual rest, not a physical rest, but a rest for your racing mind. I would encourage us to grab our faith, activate those promises, and live a lifestyle of rest. Amen? That's what I pray. There's two more verses in this chapter that probably belong in the next chapter and the next topic that Jesus is better than the priesthood. But I'm going to tee up Justin for next week, okay? I'm just going to read them to you. And it's your homework. 
is to read chapter 5 next, before next week. It'll make all the difference in the world with your studies. Listen how the next chapter is set up. For we do not... Oh, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the better things that we have in Jesus Christ. We're so thankful of the faith that you give us. I pray that we would use it well, that we'd take it to activate your very promises. I pray this week would be a restful time for your, your saints, that we'd rest in you. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Have a great night, guys.